I'm Caroline Hugg and welcome to CityWire Faceoff. Today I'm sat with Ruffer Inflation Bear Duncan McInnes and Marlborough Inflation Bull Nathan Sweeney. While Duncan believes we're entering a new inflationary era, Nathan believes inflation will fall in the coming months. Due to their opposing outlooks, both managers are at odds over whether to store cash or take advantage of the market sell-off. Nathan, Duncan, thanks so much for joining me today. Do you think inflation will fall? We've had a huge increase in energy prices, particularly between March of 2022 and April of 2022, which contributed to a 2% increase in inflation. All of those energy price related increases are going to fall away this year. So that's going to lead to lower inflation. We think inflation will, will come down uh, as we enter a recession, but the the dynamic that we see playing out is that a recession will be met by monetary and fiscal stimulus. You know, eventually economic weakness will beget a response from policymakers, and that response will reinvigorate the inflationary uh, impulse. I, I'm hoping that inflation actually stays down, and I think there's a number of reasons why structurally it can do that. Um, so let's start with oil prices. You can see that governments are committing more to green energy, which will help. And then I think the other point, which is really important, it's almost the industrial revolution moment, is artificial intelligence. So if we think about AI, it is really going to boost productivity, but arguably that also contributes to lower inflation. We still have a significant inflation problem, even though oil prices are back in the 70s. So, so a year ago, we could, we could uh, explain away the inflation because of the war and because of energy prices. Well, energy prices are down and inflation's still here. Imagine oil was north of 100 And, ga and gas bills yeah. are not coming down. I, I, imagine, imagine energy prices were, were back where they were a year ago. Where, where would inflation be? Technology has always been a deflationary force, a hugely powerful one in the last decade or so. I sort of slightly cynically wanted to say, well, this year's AI is last year's blockchain. Uh, you know, the, 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 I think AI is the real deal. I, I think, I, I think AI, AI might be the real deal. What we have post-COVID is a whole bunch of new inflationary dynamics. So things like the energy transition, which we view as massively inflationary because it creates this enormous capex burden on, on global economies. You have uh, wage inflation to try and arrest things like intergenerational uh, inequality or wealth inequality. Uh, and then you also have the geopolitical stuff like Cold War II, the rewiring of global supply chains to make them more robust and resilient. That seems to be a, little, a lot of political posturing between um, governments, you know, to win yeah. votes, et cetera. Will that actually lead to change? You know? Well, so I think, I think the dynamic there that is interesting is that everyone has now agreed that spending money is good. So, so nobody's going to get elected on an austerity mandate anymore. Is now the time to buy or store cash? So um, at the end of January this year, Ruffer had about 35% like in cash and short dated bonds. Is now not the time to be more bullish? Uh, well, it's ironic, having just uh, waxed lyrical about the dangers of inflation, that, that I'm going to tell you that cash is really, really very attractive at the moment. Now interest rates are 5%, more than 5% in the US, almost 5% in the UK. So you can earn money for taking zero risk. And cash also provides significant optionality to take advantage of, of better prices, better opportunities in the future. And it's our belief that later in this year, we'll see 
a recession and we'll probably see much lower asset prices. So your cash is dry powder to take advantage of those opportunities as they emerge. What you tend to find is whenever we get a risk episode in market, people often do the opposite to what they should be doing. So I almost link this back to just human psychology. Uh, so if you think about the caveman era, so a good day is essentially going out and catching a chicken for dinner. Everybody eats. A bad day is getting mauled by a saber-toothed tiger. Game over. So your risk spectrum as an individual is always to risk off. Cash funds is probably one of the most dangerous tools at a period when markets have fallen because you think we've had a risk off event, markets have sold off, cash fund is now paying 5%, looks very attractive, riskless, I'll buy into that, and then the market starts bouncing. And then as it bounces, your interest rates start to fall, you're getting less than the cash fund, and you just get further and further away from that return that you can get on equities. And if you look at performance this year, you're actually seeing that, but a lot of people's judgment is clouded by the fact that we just have this cacophony of bad news ringing from the rafters, which you should naturally expect in the year post of an event. If we're going to sort of talk about the state of nature, <laughs> then like, I, I think, you know, if, if you think about uh, antelopes, it's the nervous antelopes that survive. You know, it's the ones that run first <laughs> and ask questions later. The ones that sort of, you know, sit around, is it a lion, is it not a lion, are the ones that end up dead. Um, and in the business context, uh, the founder of Intel's book is called Only the Paranoid Survive. So. Yes, we are wired to worry first, uh, you know, glass half full or half empty as opposed to half full. Um, but more seriously, I think the, the, the compensation isn't there. So it does, it does depend on which asset classes you look at. But if you look at the really big asset classes, so the US, which is 60 odd percent of global benchmarks, the earnings yield in the S&P is five because it's on a PE of 20. The cash rate, uh, the Fed funds rate is five. Now, that's a very crude proxy of the equity risk premium, and you can be a bit more sophisticated about it. But no matter how you cut the equity risk premium, it is at the lowest level since before the financial crisis. The average bear market is 13 months, but the average bull market is 3.8, call it four years. We've had that period in markets to reflect rising interest rates and all the concerns. And now we're coming out of that, and the market is very much focused on the what next piece. The big problem, I think, for companies last year was they found it very difficult to deliver earning surprises because they were dealing with lots of unknowns. These companies now have a lot more certainty because they can see, particularly in the US, we have peak interest rates. So we know what do, we're- Do we? I think in the US, definitely, yeah, in the US. Maybe, yeah. 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 So, yeah. Yeah, US. maybe. I mean, in the last two weeks, we've gone from no hike to a hike being fully priced in for June. Yeah, so if you think of where interest rates are, you've obviously come from 9.1, or sorry, inflation, you've come from 9.1% down to 4.9%. So inflation is trending in the right direction. The big contributor to inflation has obviously been housing. So it's my father-in-law, he actually lives in Miami, and his rent was up for renewal. And he got the quote through and he said, there must be a mistake here, rang them up, no answer, had to go around. And it was, you know, he thought it was an 8% increase. It was an 80% increase in his rent. But you can't increase rent 80% every year. Ultimately, inflation kills inflation anyway. Yeah. Because, you know, I don't know if you've tried to book a holiday this year, but it's double the price it was last year and people are changing their plans. Mm. And that brings back 
price so competition. We, we don't all have father-in-laws in Miami to visit, unfortunately. So I don't get to go over there <laughs> yeah. often. What does the future look like for the traditional 60-40 portfolio? Yeah, so to me, the future is bright. So I think you are going to get a resurrection in the 60-40 portfolio. When you get those very severe episodes or sell-offs in 60-40 portfolios, the next year, it's always positive. When you go into that uncertain period, companies become better. They reduce costs. They focus on core business. They stop wasting money on non-profitable pieces that they were focusing on, particularly tech companies. You know, Amazon building a robot to deliver packages to your door. When was that going to ever work? When? Where? You know, teenagers with robots in their bedrooms that they picked up from the street. So, you know, so a lot of these pet projects have been canned and it refocuses the company. So the company comes out the other side as a better company. So when the cost is reduced from financing, the share price can go further. For the bond market, what you'll see is once you get interest rates starting to come down, a bigger participation. Uh, and generally, you tend to get the first interest rate cut about six months after the pause. I had a lot to say on this topic in 2021. My presentations had titles like The Death of the 6040, Remind Me Why You Own Bonds, No Mr. Bond, I Expect You to Die. You know, we, we, made, we made our views on this very clear. One of the reasons why the 6040 was so powerful was the correlation between stocks and bonds. If we are correct in our assumption that inflation is going to be stickier and higher in the future, then to get the protection, we think you have to be a bit more creative, uh, expand the toolkit of things that you use. So we've uh, got an expertise in derivatives. We use things like put options, interest rate hedges, uh, volatility calls to get the protection into the portfolio so that something will go up when risk assets go down. And on the diversification front, uh, bonds might fail in an inflationary environment uh, again. So you probably need to look towards commodities and real assets. Mm -hmm.